Welcome to the McKissick Health Podcast, where we discuss how one choice can ignite your purpose, and that one choice is about to change your life. Welcome back, y'all. This is episode two of the McKissick Health Podcast, and today we're talking about how to improve your decision-making skills. The last episode we talked about introducing McKissick Health and Wellness. We just basically got to know each other a little bit, and we're going to do that again today. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. McKissick Health and Wellness is on the flow. Oh, 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 here she go. Yeah, everybody who knows me knows that I had to pretend like I was going to really get y'all some bars right there. I had to do it. I'm sorry. I won't play with y'all like that again. All right, y'all. Welcome back. I'm so excited. Aren't you excited? How are you? Are you living your best life right now? I feel like I am. You know, I never thought I would be in charge of a podcast, mostly because when I was growing up, I really hated how squeaky my voice is. So enjoy this podcast because it's taking a lot from me to actually do it. And I want you to enjoy it. The last episode, we had a moment to center ourselves. And I talked to you guys about how We would do some breathing techniques in this podcast. So I know some of you are listening and you're probably driving in your car. Some of you might be cleaning up your house right now. And I know you're busy, but please just take a moment. So if you're sitting, move to the edge of your chair or if you're on the couch, scoot to the edge and make sure you're safely balanced on whatever surface you're sitting on. But try to put your feet flat on the floor and gently bring your hands to your knees and lay them flat on the surface of your legs. Now make sure you aren't hunched over. Try to sit up as straight as you can and begin to deeply inhale through your nose. Inhale. And exhale slowly through your mouth. Imagine you're blowing an eyelash away from you. Inhale one more time. Deeply inhale. And exhale slowly through your mouth. Imagine you're blowing that eyelash again. Oh, didn't that feel incredible? Sometimes we get so worked up and so tense in our day that we forget the freedom and just the relaxation that comes from breathing, which is something that's so natural. And if we ever take a moment to intentionally do it, we'll see like a complete shift in our attitude and just the way our energy is flowing throughout the day. So always take a second, breathe, 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 breathe. Taking a second to just breathe and get yourself back on track is so helpful. It's something that really you have to discipline yourself to do because you're just like on the go, moving here and there. But once you do it, you know, I should have done this before now. It's best to just insert those moments of breathing throughout your day so that you don't have to become overwhelmed and you don't have to become frustrated. You just take a second and check in with yourself and see how am I feeling? What am I thinking? What do I want to accomplish today? It's kind of like setting goals Every morning when you get up, you decide, what am I going to do today? What are my top priorities? Breathing should be on that list with that as well. So I'm so excited to help you guys do that. I think it's a great exercise that you can implement in your daily routine. And I will do my best to make sure we do it every time we get together on the podcast because I love it and I think it's beneficial. So we're doing it. Before we do anything, I want to give you guys another introduction to who I am and my background just a little bit. 
My name is Sierra McKissick. You know that. Holla at your girl. I went to Fisk University for undergraduate studies. I studied psychology. Fisk forever. Shout out to the Fiskites who listen to the podcast. And after I graduated from Fisk, I went to Vanderbilt University for two degrees. I have a Master of Divinity degree and a Master of Arts degree in religion, specifically religion, psychology, and culture was my focus. So I am all about personal and spiritual development is what I live and breathe. And I've spent 10 plus years working with institutions and nonprofits, as well as five years in clinical work, um, counseling, college students, women, men, everybody, girl. I didn't see everybody. It's not that... That gives me license to say whatever the heck I want because that's not true. But it does mean that I'm coming from a place of experience practice. I cannot speak on everything, but there are a few things I can talk about. And so today I'm talking to you about poor choices. Yes, child, poor choices. You know, it's a new year. We all have our list of attempts we're going to try to pull off before the year ends. I know some of us who struggle with procrastination have already penciled in a September 15th start date. We're technically planning ahead, don't worry, I get you. But the one thing we can't afford to do is waste another day making poor choices. Don't get me wrong, no good will come from you being consumed by guilt and self-loathing. You don't need to focus solely on what you've done wrong in your life, but your past experiences can and do provide wisdom for how to move forward in life. And so that's what we're gonna focus on today. If you're like me and you're done making poor choices, then you should definitely keep listening to this episode of the podcast. I'm going to share a few exercises I picked up along the way in practice and a few of my own that I've created that will have you making healthier choices in no time. So stay tuned. McKissick Health, the podcast is produced by the McKissick Health team and curated to raise human consciousness concerning behavioral and spiritual health matters. Our listeners are college students, young professionals, and ministry leaders who are searching for ways to improve their lives and enrich their communities while following their purpose. If you want more information about McKissick Health, please visit us online at mckissickhealth.com or email us at info at I think we all have our tricks when it comes to figuring out a solution. Some of us wait for a sign while others act, and if nothing immediately falls apart, they just like kind of assume it was the right choice. Some people wake up every morning praying and asking God for guidance. Other people wait for 11-11 so they can make a wish. And some of us old school people who always been slightly superstitious might still have that eight ball with the triangle inside with the, I think it's like blue water. Remember these balls where you shake them and it gives you an answer? I think one of the answers said probably not, which is slightly shady because most of the time I got the probably not. Not that I had one, but when I used one. I think that's the answer I got. I think they they have an app now. So we can all let that go and just download the app for those moments when we really need a quick answer. Regardless of your method for figuring out how to make a decision, you need to focus on the outcome and value of the decision you're making. So you want to hear something hilarious. What's hilarious is I recorded at least 20 minutes of this podcast And then I realized it was all a bunch of fluff and I'm going back and forth. It was, it wasn't fluff. Okay. Let me be honest. It's not fluff, but when we discuss decision-making skills or poor choices, 
we can have a very sterile approach to it. And a lot of cop-outs tend to be leaning towards like a psychoanalytic way of addressing decision-making. I had to decide, did I want to take the cop-out or did I want to be transparent and reflective and actually give you potentially something with substance? Of course, after 20 minutes of choosing the cop out, I was like, okay, this sounds like every other podcast they could probably encounter. How do I not do that? The answer was to use storytelling, of course. So here I am, and I'm going to tell you a story. Some people will never believe this story. They won't be able to take how irresponsible I am at times. <laughs> now, not irresponsible as in that is the lifestyle I live. However, there are moments in time where I can be a tad bit irresponsible. So this poor choice that I'm gonna tell you guys was a poor choice, not because of the outcome, but because of what could have potentially happened. And I feel like I'm gonna think of like a better poor choice after this one. So one night, I was out with a friend and this friend is gonna know. And so once again, I'm sorry for what I tend to get you into. I was out with a friend and we went to a bar. It was a bar restaurant kind of thing. It was really cool new spot. We're in there just vibing, you know, two beautiful black women in the bar hanging out. And all of a sudden these other two guys ask if they can join us because one's new to town and the other one was visiting. Long story short, they buy us drinks, right? They, I think they paid for our food. Then we realize that the one guy is trying to hit on my friend. I'm just like in grad school, tired most days, finally going out one night and I'm up for entertainment. And they're like, where can we go in like downtown Nashville? We want to find a cool spot and see what it's like. Not stay, but just like tour downtown Nashville. And I'm like, that's a bad idea. I think it was like a Saturday night. If you know Nashville, you know it's a bad idea to tour downtown Nashville on a weekend night. We indulged them because, I mean, they bought us dinner or whatever. So there's that indebtedness that I talk about on my blog. Now, these are two complete strangers. Yes, two complete strangers that are probably like twice our size. Poor choice. Like, even as I explain this, I think poor choice. We get in the car, my friend's in the front seat, I'm in the back seat, and I told her to get in the back seat, but she didn't get in the back seat, so I'm like, oh crap, how do I protect us now? Because I can't like grab her, kick open the door, and like roll out. I don't know, y'all, I think I'm a superhero on the inside or something. I had like the whole getaway plan in my mind. Of course, nothing bad happened, because God protects fools and babies, right? So I'm definitely in the fools category most of the time. We just take them around downtown. They drop us back off at the restaurant we went to and we get away. It's a clean night. Like they were decent guys. The one did try to hit on my friend. If she ever comes out with that story, she can tell you. As far as I know, it was a clean night. We all went home with a free meal and drinks in our bellies, amen. There were poor choices that I made in that entire scenario. One, you don't often find decent people in bars who want to buy you drinks if you do you need to pay attention to your drinks I did that I'm very responsible in that aspect if I don't feel your vibe I'm not taking a drink from you however that didn't follow through with getting in the car with strangers somehow I slipped that spot and failed 
to think that through. Thankfully, it didn't end up being a situation where something crazy happened. But it's a poor choice. Like, poor choices. I shouldn't have done it. Looking back, I would never encourage someone to do that. I can't see myself doing that again. But again, when you're in your 20s, like, and I think that's what this comes down to. When you're in your 20s or your teens, you're likely to make poor choices. So what's the number one thing that you can do to escape the likelihood that you'll make a poor choice? I firmly believe that one thing you can do when you're preparing yourself to make a decision is to deeply consider if the decision goes against your morals, your values, what you stand for, the God you believe in. Is this contrary to who you would characterize yourself as being? Would I normally characterize myself as being someone who hops in the car with strangers? Not unless it's an Uber driver. Would I characterize myself as being someone who potentially puts their friends in danger? Not on a day-to-day basis. That's not who I am. So was it a poor choice? Absolutely it was. When we're considering what it is we can do to make sure we're not making a poor choice or making any choice without considering the entire circumstances around our choice. Like what is the domino effect? Who or what are the casualties? We have to, or at least we should, want to consider those things prior to making our choice. And so when I say I stand by people using some sort of system that encourages them to think or consider the choices that they make in a very intentional kind of way. When I say that, I mean evaluate the significance of the choice. And when you think about making a choice, you should try to evaluate the significance of the choice and see if that choice, again, is consistent with who you are or who you want to be in this world. Because the thing that lasts, the legacy, the way legacies are created is based on our choices. It's based on who we impact, who we encounter, and the impression we leave on them. And if you're out here making choices that leave your friends in cars with strange men, you're probably not creating the storyline that you think you are. Like, I'm sure my friend still thinks like, that girl really got me into some craziness sometimes. And I have to eat that. I have to eat it. Like, yep, probably not one of my finest moments. But did I learn from it? Would I do it again? No, we've cleared that up. I would not do it again. And it's important. It's important for us to not only know what we want to do, but why we want to do it. So evaluating the significance will cause you to ask yourself questions that deeply kind of interrogate the choice that you're considering making. Forbes put out an article in 2015 about improving your decision making skills. And of course, I'm going to tell you what it said because it's Forbes. The first thing the author suggested was that you don't delay. So when making a choice, consider it, categorize your decisions as big or small, and then make those small decisions quickly and dedicate time to weighing the pros and cons before you make your choice. So that's like making an informed decision, basically, where you get to know both sides, what could be positive about this experience or this decision, what could end up being potentially negative about this experience or this decision. And then making your choice of whether or not to do it, whether or not to take advantage of it based on 
which outcome you'd rather deal with. So if the cons are like not so bad, like nobody dies, I might not like it for a little bit, but I'm still willing to make that jump, then you might go for it. The second thing the author suggested was to shelve your ego and emotion. Now pause. I know someone is like, man, in a world where they tell us don't listen to your feelings or act on your feelings, how are you going to tell me to shelve my feelings? To shelve it kind of means like put it in perspective and not so much dismiss how you feel in that moment and what your mother wit is telling you to do. That's not okay. So that one is like, take it with a grain of salt. I know some of y'all heard ego and you're like, man, I hear that word all the time and I don't really know what it means. I hear ego. I think of let go of my ego like it's waffles and that's not what it is. It's okay, pumpkin. It's not. It's not an ego. <laughs> um, it's referring to Freudian thought where there's the id, ego, and superego. So think of them like three best friends. And when you hear id, the id is the friend who's really like self-consumed and is always reacting impulsively. The id is the friend that actually wants the group to do what they want to do and never really fully considers what other people might want to be doing or what they might want to do or what they're going through at that moment. The ego is the best friend that's always trying to do what's in the best interest of of them. <laughs> they're like, um, well, we can go to the mall as long as I can stop by Sephora, the ego will hear the id and then think through an option that is close to what the id wants to do. So what's close to what the self-centered friend kind of wants to do. But above all, the ego is always trying to save face and not be in these streets looking crazy. The super ego is the third friend and the friend that seems more like the angel on your shoulder and Miss Do Goody do good or goody two shoes I think is what they used to call it that's the friend that won't hesitate before telling you like you could do better you could be better you're making poor choices the super ego is also the friend that makes sure everyone is safe and accounted for whenever you go out or you travel to a new place so they're like the mommy in the group I'm sure you're memorizing them as your friends and using their names but don't don't go tell Amber that she's the ego because you heard it on the Kiss Health podcast. Don't do that. They'll start problems. There's more that you can consider to expand these definitions of the id, ego, and superego. That's a quick study session for the general psych majors listening to us. So when the Forbes author says to shelve the ego and emotion, the author is trying to tell you to leave a healthy distance between you and the decision if you can. Like, don't become too invested and how the decision will make you look or feel. Now, we already know that might work in some situations, but it might not work in every situation. The third thing the author said was to ask an expert. Fourth is to question your data. And the fifth thing is to plan for doomsday. Now we can thank the kind businessman for sharing his opinion. I think the best option he gave was definitely the third, where you ask an expert. Not because I'm an expert. Okay, I'm, I kind of am. But because it's clear he wasn't. <laughs> In this article, he was not an expert. He said plan for doomsday, y'all. Like, no shade. We can't. We can't do that. Although you might not have like a clear understanding of how to make healthy decisions, what you do get an understanding of is that there are no perfect 
choices. However, you can make a choice that's not the worst choice. And some people wonder, like, is there a certain timeline of how long I should think about this question? Like, don't worry about putting it on a timer. Consider what's at stake. Give yourself enough time and space to process each and every one of those factors. Because once it's changed, you can't unchange it, right? Some choices are final. Some decisions are final. And if we live in a world where we can always edit a post, it's difficult to then think about in real time decisions and consider making the best choice on the spot in the moment. How do I quickly evaluate what I'm being asked to do, whether or not I want to do it, and what the outcome is if I choose yes or if I choose no? Because sometimes the poor decision is you saying no to opportunities you needed to say yes to. Tons of professionals can agree with that. Tons of professionals can admit that they said no to an opportunity or a sponsorship or a partnership and then they regretted it because they needed it. You know, it would have furthered their business endeavors. It would have changed the whole structure of their company. People in everyday life will agree or admit to times when they said no to opportunities like going on tour with a band, all kinds of situations and experiences that we miss out on because one, we don't make the right choice. Sometimes that choice is because we either say no to the right choice or we say yes to the wrong choice. How can we shift our thinking in a way that helps us evaluate the significance of a choice or a decision and then move in the direction that leads to us becoming better because of our decision? How can we do that? Part of that I touch on in lesson three of my book. I don't know if you're aware, but last June I published a book, Faith Lessons, A Guide for Christians Battling Doubt and Frustration. And you guys can get that on the website. I'll actually provide a link and more information in the podcast episode details for you guys to check out. Lesson three, I talk about maintaining your integrity. And I begin telling you about that by giving you a little story, a backstory about me in elementary school. So I had this dilemma where a teacher had this toy box, right? And if you had good behavior then at the end of the week, you got to get something out of the toy box or however it worked, have good behavior in order to get something out of the toy box. And there was this one guy in class who was never good. (laughs) Like he never had a full week where he didn't get in trouble. He knew like most of the time, if I didn't want to die um, by the hands of my mother, I was choosing to do good things so he asked me if I would get him something out of the toy box now y'all know Sierra preteen Sierra she was like slightly um I think she was slightly boy crazy which would be really difficult for most people who know me to understand because they're like what child you lying but I was really boy crazy in elementary school I was like oh this might be my way in let me get something for my dear friend um and possibly get this good date I don't know where I thought we would go because it was elementary school all the field trips were pre-planned lunchtime was scheduled how would I ever be treated special by him (laughs) you know as a kid you just like you didn't think it through so I contemplated like whether or not I was still the toy I don't know you got to read the book to find out if I sold the toy in part because I can't remember off the top of my head right now. 
this might have been one of my memories I suppressed. So you have to read the book to find out whether or not I stole the toy. But in telling you that story, I wanted you to consider is the choice you're making worth your integrity, right? Is it going to violate who you are and the identity you've created? Is it going to unwrite or disrupt the flow of your life, right? The story, the narrative that you've been creating for yourself. I think when we evaluate the significance of a choice or a decision, we can map that out. You know, we can figure out if this is the best choice for me to make. Give me an example of a choice that you should map out. Quitting your job. Oh, won't he do it? Okay. Mm hmm. Yep. Quitting your job. I can talk about this because I had to do this. I had to do this. And my God, when I had to make the decision that I wouldn't take a job and that I would quit my current job, I mean, I was distraught. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't see. I couldn't write. It was, it was traumatic. It was a traumatic experience. But what I realized was what was most important was for me to have a job, perform at a job that I felt represented my beliefs, that supported my desire to make sure it was a person-centered practice or service and that it was going to develop me, you know, contribute to me growing not only as a professional, but as a human being, that I would be challenged in a way where I knew it was to make me better, to make me wiser, to make me stronger, to make me more competent, to make me more credible. The job I was considering going into, and I talk about this in the book as well, wasn't necessarily going to do that. And if by chance it did do it, it wouldn't have done it in the same way as I wanted it. I think sometimes you can be selfish about things like that. When you're entering a job and they're like, oh yeah, we have professional development opportunities and we are going to offer you mentorship and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Quickly learn that really they're trying to erase or adjust certain aspects of who you are, whether it's what you practice personally in your faith or appearance those things like that make you who you are you don't have to go for that that's a poor choice and it's a poor choice because if you take that job if you walk through that door and accept that opportunity you're also accepting that you're going to be changed by it and you either have to lean into that change or you'll find yourself constantly fighting it. To some extent, it becomes you flowing against the stream. I think that's the struggle we see a lot of people who enter into corporate America facing because there are so many preferences, also prejudices that people face when they encounter these kinds of structures, when they encounter these kinds of businesses that have their agenda in mind and are sort of recklessly pursuing that at the cost of your personhood. I wasn't willing to join in that battle. I didn't want it to be mine. I didn't want that to be part of my story. I'm all about fighting the man, but I will fight a man. Like, I don't think y'all get it. <laughs> um, I can only take so much of that. It wouldn't have been healthy for me. And it just didn't seem like the right fit. It's crazy that the employee is the one who's saying like, I don't think this is the right fit for me. 
But when you pursue a life where you practice self-awareness and you give yourself time to consider outcomes, you can quickly decipher whether or not something you're presented with is right for you. And if it's not right for you, you quickly want to shut that down because we don't need to get sidetracked over here. Like we need to stay focused. We need to stay on task, on purpose, on purpose. Do you get me? Like if I'm supposed to be seeking a life where I'm giving back to people, I'm following whatever call God has set over my life and I'm willing to do that then I don't want the distractions. I don't want to be derailed by an opportunity that leads me down a two-year rabbit hole where I'm frustrated and I take on all of these triggers that I have to then work through once I realize that this isn't even where I was supposed to be. You know, how frustrating is that? And I totally have to quote Amanda Seals from her stand-up comedy show on HBO, I Be Knowing, because she talks about having a vagina where she's just not willing to engage in relationships that she knows isn't going anywhere. And I think everybody should do that. I think everybody should take that on as their task for their life. Like, I'm not willing to waste my time. I can make more money. I can see the world as long as I'm alive, but I can't get back my time if you waste it evaluating the significance of a choice or a decision will keep you from wasting your time. And I think that's the key point right there. I'm not willing to waste my time. So I don't have time to make more poor choices. I'm fed up with making poor choices. In my case, when I walked away from the job, I decided it could have been a great opportunity that I probably would have stayed at for at least five or six years, I could get my loans forgiven. I could get a 401k child. Like I'd have a salary and it's just me. Like I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse. I don't have many financial responsibilities. So I could have sustained my life and lived a great life if I had stayed at that job. It would have been a poor choice. It would have been a poor choice because it had nothing to do with what I'm called to do. It had nothing to do with my heart's desire. It had nothing to do with where I'm headed in life. And so it's a poor choice. So when you are evaluating the significance of a choice, ask yourself, is this leading me in the direction that I'm trying to go? Like if I want to become the CEO at my company one day, and right now I'm like the assistant to the VP, then you don't want to become the janitor. That doesn't even make sense. It's not going to lead you to becoming the CEO. What do you need to do? You need to take advantage of training opportunities. You need to follow the VP very closely, okay? You need to make sure that you're always at the forefront of their mind when they think about somebody they can get to do something or they need assistance with a program or something like that. Like you need to be all up in the VP space so that you can learn everything the VP does. Cause guess what? Nine times out of 10, you're going to have to be the VP before you're the CEO. If you're the assistant to the VP, you can bet your bottom dollar that you'll have to be the VP before you can be the CEO. Cause there's levels to this. There are steps that you have to take that then pave the way for you to walk through certain doors. And I believe at this point in life, God is calling us to walk through doors. God is calling us to fulfill our purpose, but we gotta follow the steps. And the steps isn't for you to get lost in a five-year wormhole. That's not the step. 
The step is for you to step out on faith, to believe in what you're being called to do, and to not make any poor choices along the way. Please, I beseech thee, brothers and sisters, to consider these choices that we're making, to pursue the choices that make sense for where we're trying to go. And it doesn't mean that you won't make a poor choice because it's inevitable. It's inevitable that something will cross my path and it'll slip through my radar, right? That I'll run it through and I'm like, hmm, check, 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 check. Oh yeah, this is great. And then I forget one aspect. And that doesn't necessarily derail me from my purpose, but it requires me to learn a new skill or it requires me to regroup in a way that I hadn't anticipated. So just because you make poor choices doesn't mean that now you can't fulfill your purpose or your calling. It means how are we going to move past this? How are we going to continue going forward in what God has called us to do or in whatever our goals are? How can we do that? And we do that by taking on that next choice and weighing it again and adding in what we've learned and considering other things that we've seen other people go through. You take that information with a grain of salt and you keep pressing toward the mark because guess what? That's the only way we keep living. That's the only way we keep surviving. We have to just keep making choice after choice after choice. Like life is a series of choices but when you make those choices rooted in something that isn't just how you feel in the moment although emotion influences part of your choice it isn't the sole factor in your decision making you have to pinpoint what morals what principles what values are non-negotiable when you're considering a choice and then make your choice using those let that be the checks and balance system that you use to make the right choice, to pursue the life that you've outlined, that you want, and the life that you've communicated with God about. That's it. That's it right there. That's it right there. So although Amanda Seal was a little raunchy, with her interpretation, it was sound logic because we don't need to waste our time. We've wasted our time. We've made poor choices and we, we've seen where that gets us and we don't want that. I don't want any parts of that. Throw the whole thing away and let's move forward. It's a new year. You don't need a new you. You need a new framework to use for making choices. You need to retain your old framework and tweak it a bit. Absolutely. But you don't need to become a whole new person. Mm -mm. No, God created one of you for a reason. And you just got to use what you got, girl. Come on, there's a word. Use what you got. Stop trying to measure what you have against what other people have. And then making your choices based on that. Make a choice right now. I posted something the other day. Don't live so far in the future that you make the present miserable. Because we can. You need to think about what you're supposed to be doing right now at this stage. Some choices are long-term decisions, short-term decisions, absolutely. But don't get so caught up in looking at your long-term decisions and your long-term goals that you fail to make or use wisely your choices right now. And it's very easy to do that. The most valuable technique you can master when it comes to making better decisions is to consider what value the opportunity, person, or thing can add to your life. And don't waste your time on people, on making choices, on thinking over choices that don't contribute to who you are becoming. Don't do it. Don't do it.
Just don't. This entire podcast is about helping people make the one choice that really is a series of choices, a lifetime of choices that lead you closer to your purpose. And stop making choices that deter you from that. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. Been there, done that, got a t-shirt. I'm not going back. You can't fool me again. Fool me once. The, the boy in elementary school, not another boy. Let me tell you this. <laughs> Not another boy has ever made me do anything I did not want. So take heed. Don't let those moments distract you from where you're trying to go. Don't let people manipulate you into making choices that are not consistent or supportive of where you're trying to go in life. We got somewhere to go. We've got business to tend to. And that is our top priority. Seeking things that give us life, that bring us joy that are consistent with our calling and that please the God we serve. Roy T. Bennett said it like this. Beliefs are choices. First you choose your beliefs, then your beliefs affect your choices. Well, God bless y'all. I hope that this has been an encouraging podcast. I know it was a little bit of a rant, (laughs) but I'm loving it. I look forward to hanging out with y'all again next week for another episode of the McKissick Health Podcast. Take care, y'all.